Welcome aboard, everybody. This is your Captain Johnny speaking. I'd like to just thank you for taking the time to listen to my podcast. It is listeners like you that make this very possible. And that is why I will always thank you for taking the time to listen to my podcast. I really, really appreciate it. And I know a lot of you are really enjoying it as well. And I continue to hope you do. Because that's the goal, is to have you really enjoy this podcast. To have it make an impact in your life. To give positivity. To understand how to navigate the negatives of what we're going through in this world. Things that you're battling, you know. The devils, as they call it, you know, the demons and everything that you're battling in your own life. And that is one of the things where I hope I can shine some light on different ways that I have done things in my life so that you can use them in your own very life. And we can use this as a positive light, an encouraging area to help you learn and grow. Now, this podcast is going to be a part two of my journey of becoming a captain. And the first part was what I would call an amazing, sweet dedication to a man that meant so much in my life. And it is one of those where I thought about how I was going to give a summary and describe, you know, the previous episode like I have done in my 9-11 podcast. And I literally thought about it for a few days and I was like, you know what? You just got to listen to the podcast. It is one of those where I couldn't describe it or give it the proper justice it deserves And you know I'm all about making sure everything deserves, everything goes through the way it's supposed to, and I can't do that justice. So if you haven't listened to that podcast, please do. It is a dedication to a man called Gene Ferguson who meant so much in my life and helped plant a seed and started that bug me to become a pilot and now I'm a captain you know so a little bit of a you know a little big tribute you know to someone who did that and also he's just an amazing person so you gotta hear you gotta hear you know who and what he was you know, because I'm pretty sure you can relate to people in your life that are just the same. All right, let's get into the where was Captain Johnny, which I have to say this is becoming one of my favorite segments of my podcast. I love telling people where I was and where I was going. You know, and, and a couple of my best friends always ask this: where you know, where's Johnny? You know, on a play of Where's Waldo episode, I was in D.C. And I was working my way up to Boston. And then after Boston, I worked my way to San Diego. I was home for about a day and a half, basically enough to reset, 
you know, do laundry, get a good couple nights of sleep, and then off I went to San Diego for training. This is a recurrent training that I do every year, and it's something that every captain does. Uh, first officers do it as well, but it's a little different on how they do it. Um, captains have what they call a 297, which is an instrument proficiency check, and I'm saying these rules because it's a part of what we call a FAR, Federal Aviation Regulations. The rule book that we go by, the Bible as they call it in aviation, because it literally has a lot of rules. And it is one of those where if you're tired, they always tell you, open up the FARs because it will put you to sleep. It was written by a bunch of lawyers because it's nothing but rules. At least that part of the book. There's a, another section of the book that's called the... Uh, AIM, which is Aeronautical Information Manual, and that is more advisory. Recommendations of things to do. And so you have the rules, and then you have the recommendations. Very similar to the Bible. You know, where you had the Old Testament was all rules, and then the New Testament of all these lights of how things could be and everything. You know, so very similar to the Bible. That's why we always refer to it as the Bible. But as a captain, like I said, I do a, every six months I do an instrument proficiency check. And I love those things actually. And people think I'm crazy about it, but it's one of those where you get in the sim and you practice, you know, all these approaches. And a couple of them that they do are single engine approaches as well, which is something that, you know, you don't ever plan on having it happen in the airplane. It, it could, but I always like being prepared. I always like being ready for everything, and that's why I like that. Also, like, it kind of give you an idea. I actually enjoyed my recurrent ground school because in your yearly uh, recurrent, you have two days of ground school, and then you have a day of sim, and then you have a check ride. And I enjoyed it. The teachers were really good this year, and the first one I had on day one really gave, you know, different perspectives on things and made me think. He threw a lot of the class time out to us to talk about different scenarios, and he talked about a couple things that he went through, and it was one of those where I was like, oh, wow, that makes me think. The second day, the same thing. We talked about performance and takeoffs and landings and how certain things can sway different numbers and are you going to be able to do this? Are you going to be able to do that? Are you going to be able to climb above this mountain? You know, what's your escape procedures? You know, everything. And that's something that you have to think of as a captain and a, just any pilot in general, but especially as a captain because you got to make sure that if anything happens or goes wrong, you're safe and you take care of the people in the back i don't know about you but it, you know people are always worried about flying and i'll tell you this if the pilots aren't scared in the front you're just fine because the pilots love going home to their family probably more you know so than you think and they take a huge responsibility making sure that everybody in the back of the airplane the flight attendants and the pilot next to them their co-pilot 
makes a home. You know, that's always the goal, is to make it home safely. All right, so now I went on that little side tangent, but you can tell the passion behind uh, my training and how much I love aviation just from those little bits. You know, and I will tell you that while I was out there, I was notified that the simulator was broken, and so I wasn't going to have, most likely was not going to have my sim on Friday and Saturday, but they weren't sure. So they kept the slots open just in case if the sim was fixed. Well, I finished a recurrent ground school, and then I ended up calling them Friday morning just to verify. I was like, hey, I'm like, is the sim fixed or not? And they're like, no, uh, the sim is not fixed. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm like, well, I guess I'm not coming in today then. So then I called my chief pilot and we're kind of a small company to where the chief pilot pretty much does a lot of the stuff around here, but we only have about 15 pilots, you know, spread across over about five aircraft. And I'm one of them, of course. And so he ends up doing a lot more than most, but being smaller, it's a little bit easier. But I ended up talking to him and he's like, all right, well, the simulator's broken. Let's, you know, just bring you home. So I had the opportunity to come home for a couple days. And then I went out to central Nebraska where the plane was in for maintenance. And I ended up, you know, flying that to western Nebraska. And I should say that the owner and the first officer ended up flying it from Boston to central Nebraska while I was out in training. So the first officer comes in a lot and fills in basically when... I can't fly because I'm off at training or I'm on my off time and also he comes in when we fly with the other owner of the aircraft and do charter is kind of when he works but the majority of the time I'm flying with the one owner that of the company that actually has done probably more charter work than me um, been in aviation about around the same amount of time as me and just absolutely loves to fly and it's so honestly it's a joy to actually fly because this owner is well experienced and we think a lot of the same things and it's good because we're we half the time don't even have to say much we, we just know that we would just do what we're supposed to we're so keyed up on on different areas and if you think about it like a play that's kind of what you're doing is you're acting out a play when you're in aviation because there's all these cues along the way that you're acting and doing and you just always got to be ready for anything you know sometimes improv if you have to but the beautiful thing is we always have checklists and also there if we miss a cue the other pilot knows that that cue was supposed to happen and will say something in that script and then that engages the person back into it, which is one of the things that I absolutely love because things happen or you get busy on the radios and everything. So then the other pilot says, hey, you know, uh, flaps up or this, and then it cues you, oh, this is what I have to do. This is what my next sequence is. And we'll talk about that when I get into my simulator training and even my training uh, in going through all my licenses about certain cues that you're always looking for, which will help. 
but that was my two weeks and uh, most of my month I'm going to be ending up in Boston again we're opening up a, our company's opening up an operation in Boston so I'll end up there and then I'll fly the family to where they want to go for Thanksgiving and then I get to have time with my family for Thanksgiving which is huge and I, that's one of the things I love about this company is that they really like to take care of their pilots and make sure that their pilots have time with their family because they know at times that we work really, really hard and there was, you know, a couple months where I worked really, really hard and I wasn't the only one. Uh, there were some other pilots that were working just as hard too. You know, some busy months, which just happens. You know, business was good. I do have to go back to San Diego in one of my Boston trips. You know, in between, I should say, in one of my Boston trips, I have to go to San Diego and finish out that sim training. And then I will fly the family to Thanksgiving. So I will be doing that. But December is looking a little bit lighter, which I hope, because I could honestly use some rest, you know, and I would love to spend some more time with family and friends as well. But things can always change in aviation. You've always learned, you always got to learn that things change a lot. And that's okay. Because honestly, there's times where I actually enjoy the change because it's not always the same. Let's go on to the next part now, and this is the actual part of the podcast. And this podcast, just to kind of give you an idea, is going to be another dedication. The cover art may give it away a little bit, but if you don't see the cover art, which if you want to see it, let me know. But it's one of those where... I will call this probably the second dedication that I absolutely am happy to do. I'm proud to do it and I'm excited to do it because this man meant so much in my life and it is one of those where I am so eternally grateful for the influences that this person had. Also, I'm gonna give you this little tidbit right now is that he inserted that travel bug in me. And I'm gonna keep saying this throughout the whole entire podcast. And it is one of those where I don't know if I would be you know, a pilot without him or the previous person, Gene Ferguson. Because I don't know if I would have been, you know, open or would have known about the possibilities of being able to do this. You know, you don't realize how things happen without certain clues in your life until you actually get away from the situation or years later. And this is one of those where it was a you know, years later that I realized how much of an influence this person had in my life. And one of the reasons why I'm happy to dedicate this podcast to this person. Now, you know, like I do every single time is that I always put in a few clues and then I finally reveal the person and it's going to be the exact same way in this podcast. 
and the first clue is this person was born January 26, 1907. And some people are thinking, wow, that was a while ago. And, and you're correct. It was a while ago. But that day, to me and a bunch of people that probably already know who this dedication is to from that clue, you know, means a lot. The other clue is that he was born in Aurora, which is a part of Chicago, which to some people be like, okay, that doesn't really narrow it down, which is true, but that is the next clue. The next clue after that is that he happened to love, like I said, travel, and because of his love for travel, he ended up working for the railroad for 35 years. An incredible thing now when I was doing all the research and the history for this one of the things I absolutely love is the fact that I have a picture of him and a bunch of people who I know have this picture too because it is very significant also it's a I mean it's a very cute picture I'm not gonna lie about that and it's one of those where I actually almost wanted to use it for the cover art but uh, I gave the option to my mom because I wanted to involve her in this dedication as well and you'll understand when I reveal who this person is but it is a picture of him as a little boy with a locomotive on him you know like I mean he's holding his train now you think about this and granted the fact I mean this is the 1900s so trains were huge during that time especially toys wise and it is one of those where you look at it now and you're like wow that's huge because he worked for the railroad for 35 years. And he had a train when he was young. So there is that seed already planted in him. There, the bug, you know, of something that he, you know, wanted to do. You know how there's always those moments where people say, oh, yeah, you know, a person played with this a lot as a kid and then they ended up becoming a you know a doctor because they always like to you know heal people and take care of people and you know you can go down that whole entire road of you know this all makes sense because this is what they did as a kid here it is we all have those signs in our life and this is one of them i'll give another factor you know, and another thing that, I mean, he, he did love railroads. I mean, like, that was, you know, one thing. He loved trains. He ended up building a model train set in his basement because he loved it so much that he wanted to have something to do, one after his retirement, and just something that he enjoyed. And we also, at one of his birthdays, made a train cake. And... It is probably one of my you know, favorite cakes as a kid that I remember seeing because it was so cool to see the tracks and then these, you know, cakes that were, you know, made into cars. And 
I enjoyed it. It was one of those where I, I sat there. I was like, this is so cool to have a, tr- have a cake, you know, sugar, you know, as a kid and everything. And it's a train, which this is one of the things he also planted in me is he, he planted that bug of loving trains as well. I mean, yes, I was a little boy and his love for trains spilled into me. You know, it was one of those where I ended up enjoying it just as much as he did. And he even actually built a HO model train set in the basement of my parents' house, which it took up a huge amount of the basement, which, you know, I can always thank my mom and dad for allowing that to happen because they gave up so much room just so that I could have this HO train set and also create memories with this person because he had me help him build it but that is just one of the few things and the biggest thing you know that that I keep saying this you know he planted the seed and bug for the love for trains and you're like well you're not a conductor you're not working you know on the railroad or anything I actually considered it Later on in high school, I considered that I was going to work for the railroad. The difference is I didn't want to be stuck to the tracks. And then that is where Gene Ferguson comes in. And I thought, I'm like, let's go air. You know, but this person taught me the love for travel. And I'm going to give a few key facts about, you know, what he did did on the railroad and then I'll go into the travel part but as you know I always like to give key details about everything and he worked in the mail car for 35 years before he retired from that and to kind of give an idea the railway mail service began in 1832 but grew slowly until civil war in 1862 the mail was sorted in route as the train moved between two points and that idea became very successful and this person talked about it a lot because it took up the majority of his life you know that's one of the reasons why i always joke i'm like well i may talk about flying a lot but it is my life something i love to do he loved to do this. He loved sorting it and everything. And he'd always talk about how they picked up the mail at the you know, stations. And his description is pretty much spot on to what I found online. And I'm going to read what's online because it gives you a good description of how it was. So the... Railway post office trains used a system of mail cranes to exchange mail at the stations without stopping. You heard that right. They didn't stop. As the train approached, the clerk would prepare a catcher's arm that would snatch the incoming mail in the blink of an eye. The clerk would then boot out the existing mail bag. An experienced clerk spoke with pride of making that switch at night with nothing but the curves and the feel of the track to warn them upon the incoming catch. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, that is fascinating. 
Now, in fact, I mean, you can hear about all my loves for trains and everything. You know, so it's fascinating to me. But I just can't believe what they used to do in the olden times. You know, just to make sure things happen. Now, on some funny side notes, and actually sad if you actually mailed the letter and everything, is that this person would tell me about how they would try to catch it. And if they missed it, or if the bag slipped, or if anything happened, mail spilled all over the track all the time. And if you're local to Illinois, I should tell you that there is a museum in Galesburg that has a great mail car that this person actually took me to when I was younger and is one of the things that I absolutely loved sorting the mail, seeing the catcher's arm, and the memories that were created from this were incredible. Now, this wasn't the only thing that he did, and like I said, he instilled the love of travel with me, is that he also bought an RV, and I ended up exploring the United States, went down to Florida a couple times, Georgia, Tennessee, South Carolina, you know, and of course traveled into all the states all in between, and saw parts of the Appalachian Mountains, and saw so many states before I was even 10. And I had the privilege of being able to do this because I was actually homeschooled at the time. And there's a couple trips that we actually took and I had to do my schoolwork on the road. And I thought that was exciting that I had the opportunity to travel and that I could do my schoolwork on the road. And for the people who know this person knows that even then he took us away from home he definitely made sure that we did schoolwork and he always checked our schoolwork at night to make sure that everything was done appropriately and that we understood what we were doing. He's very huge on education, so much that he made sure that a lot of us had money for schooling. Whatever schooling we wanted to do, he could care less if we were a plumber or if we went to college. I mean, he did emphasize college, but he just wanted us to have a trade have something to fall back onto so that we had some type of skill so that we could have a great life as he called it because he enjoyed life but yeah i mean you can now see the trends here he you know traveled with the railroad for 35 years he retired and ended up buying an rv and traveling because he loved traveling so much another one of the things was he had a goal of reaching all 50 states and so he also partially traveled in the RV taking us along you know and everybody asks like well how is your mom so accepting of this you know having this person do this well that very person was her father which was my grandfather so, I think you can pretty much trust that person pretty well. And it made it even better that he was my grandpa because everybody, you know, enjoys hanging out with their grandpa for the most part. And he definitely knew how to spoil us and take care of us. I remember of times uh, we were on the road that he would joke around about how the RV would be losing control 
and all of a sudden it ended up in an A&W root beer which at those times were like drive-ins and they were similar to what Sonic is today and those memories is what makes it so significant it's one of the reasons why I got that itch I got that bug to travel is because of going on the road with him I went with my cousins I went with my siblings and I really got to enjoy the world well and I should say more of the United States but I explored outside of Chicago most people don't have that opportunity to do that and he gave me this opportunity and my parents you know we would do small little vacations here and there but it never had the full opportunity to do it this way because they were raising five kids and you think it's hard now it wasn't easy then either you know times are getting harder I should say but my parents did everything that they had to do to make it work and it was one of those where it made it even you know better or sweeter that I got to experiencing these moments with my grandpa and I know it was one of the things that my mom really encouraged because she knew that we needed to have these memories with a man that she looked up to as a kid and has continued to look up to you know someone that she's always admired and as I've you know kind of given you the clues and described exactly you know what this person has done to give in me that you know that bug planted that seed in me and actually didn't help me decide but basically gave me you know clues you know and I made the whole decision and like I said I probably would have ended up working for the railroad and my mom wanted me actually to go into computers uh, because I was really good in that as well and then I thought back to what Gene Ferguson did for me and I was like no I want to be a pilot the harder part of this podcast is my grandpa developed colon cancer and it was probably one of the hardest things I'd ever seen my grandpa go through this is a man that as a young kid you look up to you admire and you respect and you see the person in pain it is always hard even when I talk about it to not shed a little bit of a tear because he meant so much and I just described some of the things that I got to experience that's not even all of it I mean he was involved in the Boy Scouts volunteered and part of the Lions Club and won awards and well respected in the community and here you know this generous person loving, caring 
person develops a cancer that you know I don't know if I was told all the full details because I was a young age but I know this now is that it was going to be hard for him to beat it but the one thing that I absolutely loved about my grandpa and he showed this true is his determination as he's battling this cancer and he knew he didn't have much time left he was not going to go down without a fight and battling this cancer until he saw all 50 states and they always tell you that when you have a purpose in life when you have a goal when you set these things this is why they always tell you to try to have something to achieve because it gives you something to aim for gives you a kind of a purpose to live and everything my sister my oldest sister and brother-in-law had the privilege of taking him to his 50th state now they also had the hard part because when they when he visited his 50th state he went into the hospital because he was in that absolute amount of pain but he didn't give up This is one of the things where it's instilled in me is that I have never given up and I'll go into that a little bit later, but he fought to the end and he made sure that he accomplished everything he wanted to on this earth. huge amount of respect I've always had it for him before and every single time I think about it I it just you know makes me respect him that much more he was able to be released from the hospital because my sister was a nurse and matter of fact I don't think they would have released him you know, for that, and matter of fact, my sister said they wouldn't have from a medical standpoint. But because she was a nurse, they knew that he would be safe to travel back and that she would stop at a hospital if they needed to. Now, you know all of these things that I've told you about this person and just his giving nature and who and what he was. My brother-in-law has never seen Niagara Falls and coming from Massachusetts, you could drive through New York, cut through Canada, Detroit, you know, Michigan and come back through to Chicago. And he wanted my brother-in-law to see it because he wanted my brother-in-law to, to achieve that same thing that he just did. You know, that same goal. 
you know, see something of God's beautiful nature. My sister and brother-in-law elected not to go to Niagara Falls because they knew the seriousness of the condition of my grandpa. And they drove him back home. He ended up going into the hospital, getting an operation. He got well enough after the operation to get released to a aftercare nursing facility. And I remember going and seeing him in the hospital and in the nursing home and the moments of those, you know, as a young kid, I think about it now, I'm happy that I had those moments, but it was hard. It was very hard to see a man that you looked up to so much fighting for his life. Now you could partially see and you recognize it now as you think about it, you know, later on in life, but he had achieved everything he wanted in his life and he let his body shut down and let the cancer take the best of him. And he died on July 9th, three days before my 11th birthday. I remember going to his wake and it was so hard to see him in the casket for the simple fact that as a little kid, I wasn't happy to see my grandpa leave my life. I think about it now and I'm, I'm, I'm glad that he gained his wings on that day because of the simple fact that he was in so much pain. But we all go in that area where we tend to be a little bit selfish and it's not in a bad way or anything like that. It's just that we, are, we never fully prepare ourselves and we try to when we see this stuff coming. But no one ever wants to see anybody leave this earth too early. But he needed to go to the heavens. You know, it was very similar to like Gene Ferguson. Gene Ferguson gained his wings because he needed to be called up to the heavens. And this is where our human side comes in on everything where it's hard for us to process. It's always hard for us to realize all of this and we'll say a lot of things to a lot of people but deep down we're going through all the emotions that you typically do and you should part of grieving is going through the phases as i call it and i remember having the funeral on my birthday and it's partly just because of what times worked i know and it was one of the harder days in my life when I was younger. But I am honored to share a day that meant so much to 
me with the very man who means the world to me. For the people who don't know, my middle name is the same name as my grandpa, and I have the honor and privilege to carry on in his footsteps, to be a part of his legacy. And it is something that I do not take lightly, and I am proud to have my middle name be his first name. My parents knew exactly what they were doing when they named me. My name, Jonathan, comes from a biblical meaning. And everybody who knows Jonathan in the Bible, and for the people who don't, the simple way is he's a brave warrior. And he does not give up. Even in the feet of danger, he never gave up. And throughout my whole entire career and even my training and everything, I had to fight. I had to fight for a lot of the things that I did. I had moments where, I'll be honest, they weren't pretty and we'll get into that in later podcasts. But... It was people like Gene Ferguson and my grandpa and the influence of my parents that helped me get through these moments, helped me get to where I am today, helped me realize that it's okay if you fail, it's okay if you struggle, it's all about how you recover. I highly encourage you in anything you're going through right now to not beat yourself down too hard to realize that you will get through this this time in your life may be hard but when you come out on the other end You can claim victory. I can claim a victory in the fact that I've been a captain for over a year. And I have continued on to make people in my life proud. I know I have a few people, you know, looking from above and also protecting me. Who are so proud everything that I have done and that is something to to be proud about to be happy about to sit in amazement about you know how I told you that I was going to give you all the details in these podcasts to really portray 
what I've went through. Here they are. This is me uncovered. This is me, as they call it, you know, open, exposed, you know, real. This is the real Captain Johnny right here. I don't sugarcoat things. I tell it how it is because I've went through so much and I've experienced so much. And we haven't even got to the majority of the things that I've went through. But I want you to go through this journey of me becoming a captain and listening to this podcast to understand you can do it. If you have the determination to do it, you can do it. My grandpa didn't give up just because, you know, he's like, oh, well, the cancer is taking me over. You know, I, I don't need to see this 50th state. He did it. He made it happen. What did I make happen? It may have been years you know, later than I wanted it to. But I'm a captain. The journey, the road, the track, however you want to consider it, may have not always been smooth. Have been a couple, you know, broken tracks, you know, a couple derailments, but I'm here, and that is what really matters. So, again, like I said, I'm going to highly encourage you to use this, use this to help you go through life. I'm also going to say. Call your loved ones. Send them a text if you're able to do that. Email. Send an actual letter. Let the very people know in your life who meant the most while they're still around how much they truly mean. Because there's always moments in my life that I wish these people were still here. I know they're still with me because they're always going to be a part of my heart. But I would always love to share these moments with these people of what I've achieved, what I've made it through. I'm going to end on this. I I thank you for your time. Thank you for the opportunity of sharing this. I really hope you enjoy this. If you have any questions, anything you want to talk to me about, or you know anything you want to send, please email me at Captain Johnny J O N N Y podcast at gmail.com. And let me know any ways I can encourage you. Please email me. Let me let me help you. This is what I'm here. This is why I do this. This is why I have this podcast. So please do that. I end with live life like you've never lived it before. Because you never know what tomorrow may bring.